Greetings, Seamheads, far and wide. Welcome into the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. It is April 2nd. I am Casey Light, and we have one Colorado Rockies series under our belt. Yes, the baseball season is underway officially. Uh, we kicked it off last Thursday with a disappointing loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks, but the Rockies uh, did rebound and pick up a win in the final game of that opening three-game series. Uh, Charlie Blackman played the hero with his two solo home runs. Uh, but boy, we really can't take away from what Herman Marquez did uh, on a starting role with a really strong outing from him, and then obviously that great bullpen performance that we saw really came in and locked things down. We'll talk a little bit more about that in depth. But on this Monday morning edition of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast, I uh, want to have a little bit of fun today and, and want to talk about uh, this is something that we're going to do a few times throughout the course of the year. I like uh, at the end of a series to look at how the three true outcomes can impact a series, can impact a game even uh, and for you baseball folks out there obviously you know what I'm talking about the three true outcomes uh, that's when a pitcher and a batter face off and the ball does not get put into the field of play three true outcomes you've got a walk a strikeout or a home run we're going to take a look back here in just a moment about how three true outcomes impacted that series with Arizona but before we do that I want to give a nod to our presenting sponsor of the Blake Street Irregulars podcast our friends over at Tap 14 located at 1920 Blake Street. Boy, it is the time of year to be out and about in lower downtown Denver. There is so much going on. You know, it kicks off the, the, the Lodo season unofficially sort of on March 17th with St. Patrick's Day and that whole celebration, but really it kicks into high gear on opening day. So excited for Friday coming up. Uh, Rockies and Braves here at Coors Field. Got a few games to get through with the Padres before we can get there, but Without a doubt, this week is all going to be about getting out and hitting those bars in Lodo. Tap 14 is one of our favorites at 1920 Blake Street. They've got Colorado beer on tap, 70 of them, in fact, 100 Colorado distilled spirits. Uh, they will find something to wet your whistle there at Tap 14. You can follow them at tap, tap XIV on Twitter or at tap14.com. Spell that out, tap 14. Dot com. So let's talk about that opening series. The Rockies dropped two of three to the Diamondbacks, dropped the first two. Uh, John Gray taking the opening day loss. Tyler Anderson had a rough outing in the second game, but ultimately didn't take the loss because the Rockies battled back and tied that game up for him, even though Anderson lasted just 2.1 innings in that second game. And then Armand Marquez really stepped up in the finale, uh, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Zach Granke. And uh, over his five innings pitched, Marquez actually did not allow an earned run. The only run that he allowed was unearned, uh, thanks to a little oopsie by Trevor Story that ultimately came around to score. Uh, but... Boy, Marquez really stepped up, and then we saw why the Rockies invested all of those dollars into that bullpen. Chris Russin, Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, and Wade Davis coming in to lock down the game. Uh, Brian Shaw ends up picking up the victory when Charlie Blackman hits that go-ahead solo home run. Uh, another huge day for Charlie. Uh, the two runs that the Rockies scored in that game were both Charlie Blackman home runs, and that really is sort of what inspired me to take a look at these three true outcomes because, for me, this whole series was really about the Walks, the strikeouts and the home runs, both on the pitching side and on the batting side for the Colorado Rockies. So let's dive in. And I want to look first at the walks, uh, because obviously we know walks can be an absolute killer. 
for pitchers, uh, and they can also be a great way for the for teams to produce runs on the offensive side. Uh, so. On the walk side, I want to really center in on what we saw from the starting pitchers because I was a little disconcerted by the the high volume of walks that we saw issued by Colorado Rockies pitchers in these first three outings. Even Herman Marquez, with his solid five innings pitched and those no-earned runs, he still actually walked four batters, which you can only get away with that for so long in Major League Baseball. At some point, walking hitters is going to come back to haunt you. Uh, Marquez was very lucky in the fact that he had four free passes allowed, but didn't allow any of those to come around and score. The only run that did score actually was a, was a base hit uh, who came around to score after a Trevor Story error. Uh, but again, Marquez, over five innings pitched, you really don't like to see four walks issued during that time. Again, he avoided uh, letting those come back to haunt him, but it's something that Marquez is really going to have to tighten up here in his next start. Uh, not so much luck for John Gray and Tyler Anderson. Gray, really, he was he was a little luckier than, than Tyler Anderson, uh, so we'll talk about John Gray first, but uh, John Gray did allow three walks in his four-plus innings pitched. Uh, one of those three did come around to score in that first inning. It was Paul Goldschmidt uh, and yet another rocky first inning for John Gray. Anilo Piro and I talked about that on Friday in our opening day overreaction podcast uh, as we looked back on that opening night. But uh, yes, Goldschmidt didn't hurt John Gray in the same way that he did in that wildcard game with the three-run bomb, but he also took the free pass and ultimately came around to score in what was a three-run first inning for the Arizona Diamondbacks, really kind of set the Rockies behind the eight ball even after DJ LeMahieu had hit that solo shot in the first inning to give them a little bit of a boost. Uh, so Gray went ahead and and rolled through the next couple of innings, but then when he got into that fifth inning, we we talked that he he pitched four plus innings. He did not retire a batter in the fifth inning, uh, and in fact, two of the three walks that he issued were there in that fifth inning. Ultimately, was his undoing, and why Bud Black pulled Gray went with Chris Russin and. Russin obviously had a fantastic outing there, stranding all three base runners with nobody after entering the game with nobody out. So I, I say that John Gray really dodged a bullet because of the three walks that he issued, only one of those came around to score. But he had two guys on base with nobody out. In fact, three guys on base with nobody out. Two of those came via walk. So again, we talk about you can only... Uh, dodge those bullets so often uh, really want to see John Gray work on his command and, and work on being a lot more commanding inside of the zone and really driving uh, you know driving his strikes strikeout numbers up and keeping those walk numbers down as much as possible uh, it brings us over to Tyler Anderson and, and boy it was just a really really rocky outing for Tyler Anderson with the 2.1 innings pitched uh Anderson struggled mightily. Bud Black said after the game he called it an uncharacteristic performance, uh, specifically his lack of fastball command. And you really saw that uh, in the four walks that Tyler Anderson issued in those 2.1 innings pitched. Uh, you get four walks in 2.1 innings pitched, uh, really, really rough average there. Three of the four of those came around to score. You're not going to win a lot of ball games if you're walking four guys uh, and three of them are coming around to score, especially in such a short order. Again, the Rockies did battle back in that game. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, 
as we get further into these three true outcomes. But you really want to see Tyler Anderson uh, shore that up because Tyler Anderson is not the type of a guy who can really afford to give a lot of free passes. Uh, he needs to work into contact. He needs to get the ball in play, and giving guys free passes is not the way to do that. On the more positive side, one thing that I did like to see uh, from the Rockies uh, on the walks front when we're talking about these three three true outcomes is Charlie Blackman took a couple of walks in the opener. I had mentioned uh, previously in one of my uh, podcasts that I want to see Charlie Blackman drive his walk numbers up. I want to see him be a little bit uh, more, maybe I shouldn't say selective or patient, but I want to see him take advantage of pitchers being more afraid of him at this point. Uh, Charlie Blackman obviously has a great eye and his being aggressive is one thing that can really help the Rockies. Uh, In fact, the, his aggressiveness is really what won them that game on Saturday night, going out and swinging at that first pitch mistake from Zach Greinke uh, and then attacking uh, Solace there when he came in in relief. Uh, because Charlie Blackman was so aggressive, he ended up getting himself into positive situations and hitting those two home runs. But we know that because Charlie Blackman is so dangerous, pitchers are going to be a lot more selective with him and work around him more this year. I want to see him take more walks, uh, get a few more guys on the table for DJ LeMahieu, Nolan Arenado, Carlos Gonzalez, the guys hitting behind Charlie. So was uh, very uh, happy to see Charlie take a couple of walks in the opener, even though he didn't get any hits. Uh, that was a, a a positive for me on that front. DJ LeMahieu, uh, meanwhile, has taken three walks on the season, which is uh, another good thing for me. Uh, I like seeing those guys at the top of the lineup being selective. Again, DJ also a batting champion himself. So when you've got two guys who are as dangerous as they can be individually, uh, combining to force pitchers into tough counts, forcing them to deliver to them, taking walks. Uh, all that can do is produce more runs down the line. So very happy to see Charlie and DJ take those uh, two and three walks respectively over the opening series. Want to see those numbers ratchet up just a little bit. So as we talk about the three true outcomes, that brings us next to strikeouts. And we're going to shift a little bit over now. Uh, we talked about the starters and their need to really control those walks. Well, now we're going to talk about how, just how fantastic the bullpen was with their strikeouts in this opening series. And, and boy, you got to start off with talking about Adam Onovino because, holy cow, I, I joked with Anilo on Friday when we were breaking down that opening day overreaction of Adam Ottavino is back because he struck out the side. He issued a walk in there, but he struck out the side uh, in a relief appearance. It was a little bit of a mop-up appearance because the Rockies were trailing at that point. But then Ottavino comes out again on Friday night and strikes out another three. So of the six outs that Adam Ottavino has recorded, all six of them have been strikeouts, and he struck guys out in order this time uh, on Saturday night. So you really can't argue with the results at this point. You know, I was a little skeptical, and I, I think I will remain that, that I want to see Adam, Adam Adovino sustain this. But uh, there's a great piece up on MLB.com. I encourage you guys to go and check that out uh, about Adam, Adam Adovino's approach, how he's changed it, how he's using technology to really improve his pitches. Uh, he's got a variety of sliders now that he's able to mix in a lot more, which is really helpful for him. He's got a hard slider. We saw him back some guys up with a fastball on Saturday night. So a lot of positives to take so far from Adam Adovino. Uh, maybe we're not quite ready to uh, put him into that minus role completely quite yet, as I was saying that he is uh, looking at 
here in 2018, maybe Adam Adovino is going to push some of these plus side guys for some innings. That's a great situation to have there in the bullpen. Scott Oberg uh, has just two-thirds of an inning pitched, but he's got two strikeouts in his two-thirds of an inning pitch. So want to give a nod to Oberg. Really like the development that we've seen from him so far. He's another one of those guys who will probably be on a square side or on the minus side, at least initially here this season. But no reason to believe that Oberg can't be pushing for a plus side role as well. Last but not least, in his Rockies debut, want to say... Kudos and a great, great job by Wade Davis, who picked up a couple of strikeouts, uh, including one to end the game. Got a guy to fish uh, on a really nasty 3-2 pitch. Uh, it was really a solid pitch. You know, the thing that we saw from Wade Davis is what we what we are so excited about and having him in that closer role is he's not a one or even a two pitch type of a closer. He's got three, maybe even four legitimate pitches that he can throw you. Tons of looks coming in in that closer role. So seeing Wade Davis in his first outing set down a couple of guys to earn that first save was great. No drama, no stress. Really awesome to see Wade Davis come in and look as strong as he did, striking out two to earn his first save for the Colorado Rockies. That helped the Rockies get that positive outcome with that true outcome there. Uh, On the position player side, though, definitely still some concerns, and those concerns start first and foremost with Trevor Story. Last year's National League strikeout King, hard to believe that with their 100 Colorado distilled spirits and 70 Colorado beers on tap, yes, 170 different choices from our presenting sponsor, Tap 14, Trevor Story struck out more times than that last year in 2017, led the National League with 190 plus strikeouts. Uh, So you couldn't even have one drink at Tap 14 for every strikeout Trevor Story put on the board last year without duplicating your efforts. I've mentioned several times over, we want to see those numbers come down. I I realize that the strikeout is not as frowned upon as it has been in the past. Uh, SI has an awesome article about that in their baseball preview, talking about Chris Bryant in particular, uh, a couple of other guys in there that have really sort of destigmatized the strikeout. But you know what? I'm old school, and Trevor Story, once again, is atop the leaderboards. He's not sitting number one at the moment, but he is darn close and has uh, less at-bats than the guys atop that list. But with 12 at-bats, Trevor Story already has seven strikeouts. So to me, that's a a little bit of a, a concern because, again, we saw those numbers being so high last year. Uh, Story's hitting just 083. He's got one hit in his 12 at-bats and those seven strikeouts. Again, it's a concern for me, and it's going to be that because Trevor Story is meant to be a power hitter. If we're not seeing a correlation of the power numbers plus the strikeouts, uh, you really have to think long and hard about whether or not you can keep Trevor Story in the lineup on a consistent basis. Look, he's going to get a plenty long leash. We've seen the great things that Trevor Story can do, but boy, he's really not starting out the season particularly well uh, from a contact standpoint with those seven strikeouts. The Rockies as a team are actually striking out at at a pretty high rate once again. They have 34 strikeouts on the season. That ties them for third in the National League. Uh, From a pitching standpoint, the Rockies are just 10th. They have uh, struck out 28 hitters against, uh, obviously with six of those coming from Adam Adovino. So from a 
if you think about it in the same way that you would think about maybe a, a NFL plus minus, like a, a giveaway or takeaway. You always want to see your pitching staff striking out more batters than your hitters are taking. So the Rockies at present are minus six in the plus minus of strikeouts uh, from pitchers versus their own hitters. The teams that are ahead of Colorado, uh, the Cubs and St. Louis, the Cubs with an, a massive 47 strikeouts, 13 more than the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and the Cubs sitting at 2-2 two and two on the season. The St. Louis Cardinals have 35, so just one more than the Rockies. They're sitting at 1-2 and two on the year, and then the Rockies are tied with the Giants, who are at 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Giants with that crazy start, for those of you following the National League West. A um, lot of strikeouts for the Giants, uh, and able to pull out those two wins with just those two Joe Panic home runs. Kind of a crazy start for the Giants, uh, and then they f- fell to uh, Los Angeles over their next couple of games. But yeah, really want to see the Rockies uh, from a hitting perspective. Try and start cutting down on those strikeouts or at least see Trevor Story do that. I'll take the strikeouts from a couple of other guys that have some loftier numbers so far. Nolan Arenado, uh, he's hitting 308, but he's got four strikeouts. Carlos Gonzalez hitting 250 with four strikeouts. But those guys are both producing runs, putting the ball in play. Arenado's already got a double and a home run to his credit. Um, and that brings us to those three. That third and final of the three true outcomes, and that is home runs. Uh, The one positive, I will say, uh, for the Rockies pitching staff, beyond what we've seen from the bullpen so far on the plus side, uh, the biggest positive is that the Rockies have allowed just one home run so far. That is tied for the fewest in the National League with four other teams. Uh, Tyler Anderson giving up that one home run. But very excited to see that the Rockies uh, allowed just the one home run in that opening three-game series against Arizona, which uh, kind of a caveat to that is obviously the Diamondbacks have installed a humidor this year, so we're curious to see how that's going to affect things there in Arizona. For the Rockies, it worked pretty well. A lot of what I would say soft hits in these series. Uh, Arizona, yeah, they had a, a handful of hits that really, you know, where they drove the ball well, hitting balls, you know, deep into the part, parts of the park. But a lot of hits we saw kind of flares, tweeners, uh, dorkers, as Bud Black called them. So, the, yes, Arizona won the series 2-1, to one, and yes, they, they capitalized when they had opportunities. Obviously, the Rockies given up far too many walks from their starting pitchers. But you didn't see Arizona really driving the ball and hitting a lot of home runs. Chase Field historically has been second only to Coors Field uh, as a hitter's park, seeing a lot of power numbers. So it was nice to see the Rockies pitchers allow just that one home run. I I will say that the humidor effect... You can take that statistic and say that the humidor effect is working, but then I'll give you the the converse on that. The Rockies hit seven home runs as a team in that series, which is second only to Washington in the National League so far this year. So for all of the home runs that the Diamondbacks did not hit, the Rockies made up for it with their seven home runs. Uh Great to see that kind of power production from the Rockies. Obviously, if they can drive those strikeout numbers down a little bit, that'll be better. But the thing that was a little bit disconcerting for me with the Rockies in this opening series, they had 12 runs scored. Of those 12 runs scored, 11 of those RBIs came off of home runs. That is a huge, huge number, and obviously a number that's not going to sustain for the course of the year. But you'd like to see the Rockies string together some 
long innings with some extra base hits beyond just the home runs. You know, look, you'll take home runs all day long because they clear the bases, they put points on the board, you'll take that all day long, but would like to see the Rockies string together some longer innings as they head down to San Diego and don't rely so strictly on the long ball as they did there in Arizona because obviously it produced just a one and two record in those three games. That's not going to cut it for the year if the Rockies are going to be contending for the National League West. So those are your three true outcomes. We'll do this periodically throughout the course of the season when it warrants it from a series, but I really thought it was an interesting one as we looked at that opening series. Those three true outcomes, those walks, strikeouts, and home runs really did play uh, quite a factor in this opening series. Rockies now head to San Diego. They are there for a four-game series with the Padres. Chad Bettis will get the call tonight against Brian Mitchell. Kyle Freeland is throwing tomorrow night against a Padres starter to be determined on Wednesday. John Gray and Clayton Richard will go head to head. That'll be all three of those games are night games with 810 Mountain Daylight time first pitch. So uh, make sure you stay up late, get yourself an extra cup of coffee for those games. And then on Thursday, the finale in the afternoon, Tyler Anderson versus probably the best Italian name we've heard in baseball in a long time. Joey Lucchisi. Yes, that's that's an Italian baseball name for you right there. Looking forward to seeing this uh, series against an inferior opponent. Rockies uh, are 1-2 and two on the season. Padres are 0-3. Obviously, we know that that's going to change here this evening. Hopefully, it changes to bring the Rockies to even. And the Padres remain one of the few winless teams still in baseball. Again, Chad Bettis and Brian Mitchell matchup tonight. Opening day is Friday at Coors Field, 20th and Blake. At 1920 Blake, we will be hanging out throughout the course of the day. We hope you will stop by and join us on opening day. They're at TAP14. You can keep track of what they're doing on Twitter at TAPXIV. That's at TAPXIV. Or you can find them online at TAP14. Now, if you go online, you got to spell it out, TAP14.com. Find out about all the exciting things that they have going on leading up to opening day. But please stop by and see us on opening day. We'll be back on Thursday after the game. We will recap the entire Padres series and look ahead to opening day. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by TAP14. I am Casey Light. Thank you for joining me this Monday. We will see you again on Thursday hopefully with a few more Rockies wins in hand. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.